your lifetime. Because time is ticking. And we can just meander on through life and see what we've always seen, or we could see something greater, something better. And I really believe God is wanting to do something significant in my generation, in my lifetime. You know, I love the fact last week we saw 50, over 50 people baptized, declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. Man, wasn't that an awesome service? Come on, I reckon we should put our hands together for what God's doing. Uh, that's significant moments in a, pe- a person's life where they're declaring publicly what God has done on the inside. And uh, I love that we're living in the greatest days of the church. Uh, that the church isn't shrinking back. The, the church is in some irrelevant group in the corner of a society. But I love the fact that we're living in a day where the church is coming into the center. In fact, that's what Jesus said. The church I see is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. Man, I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love my relationship with Jesus. That's the foundation. But I love how it's expressed through the body, through His people. And we're a part of an amazing group of people. And I pray that you love being part of a group called Equippers Church. Who would have thought 30 years ago would be here today? Who would have thought you'd be sitting next to the people you're sitting next to? Come on, some of you are amazed at the people that you, at the person you're married to. It's like, man, I never thought that could happen. God's been good to me. And in fact, the, the title of my message this morning is, Who Would Have Thought? Because I really believe we serve a God who likes to surprise us, who likes to amaze us. How many know some things in life are just hard to explain? In fact, many people come into the setting and go, how do you get all these cultures together? How do you get them going, you know, getting on? Because in the world, in a lot of places, many people just keep to themselves and keep to what's known. But the fact that we've got so many different cultures in one place and, and, and they see one another as brothers and sisters, how many know that's a miracle? Uh, that's the work of God. Because by nature, we just tend to greet those who greet us and love those who love us. But Jesus said if we just do that, we're no different than, than, than the tax collectors. There's a work of God going on in this place because you're here. And others are here. You know, so many people go, wow, how have you planted so many churches in Europe? You know, we've got Rome, you've heard the story, Zurich, Berlin, churches in London, Philippines, United States. You know, just, just exploding, churches exploding all over the place. And people say, well, how did you do that? I don't know. Some people say, well, how does revolution tour work? I often say, I don't know. You know. How do you get many people volunteering, serving? How come people are generous here? Why are people happy? You know, some people ask me, how did you get Kathy to marry you? Others say, are they really your girls? Because they don't look like you. Some things are a miracle. I like Paul because he understood this. And 
And in 1 Corinthians, people are saying, well, I'm of Peter and I'm of Apollos, but I like Paul. He says, after all, he goes, who is Apollos? Uh, who is Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. Uh, my prayer is that we'd all do the work that God's given us to do. Each of us just did the work that God gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God. Come on, who was it? It was God. Everybody, it was, it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Well, what does God do? He makes the seed grow. We don't make it grow. We, we may do what God tells us to do, but ultimately it's Him who makes the seed in our life grow. There's an enormous potential in a seed. A, a seed is a miracle capsule. We spoke about this last week. A, a seed speaks of your tomorrow. Uh, seeds speak of your future in God. Seeds. And where we are today are normally as a result of what we sowed yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't like where you're positioned, you know, look back at the seeds you've sown. Because where we are are a result of what we've planted, what we've sown. And God's put seed in our life. And God used seed to illustrate what the kingdom of God is like. You know, we're taking up a miracle offering today. One thing I'm grateful for is we've got churches, 16 churches right throughout New Zealand and 10 internationally, who this month are also taking up a miracle offering. Now, you know, our first miracle offering enabled us to start a new location. But now we've got 16 locations, 10 and another 10 internationally, who are taking up a miracle offering, how many know so we can see more locations, more people impacted? That's the power of a seed. A seed has the ability to multiply. And Jesus used the illustration of a seed to display what the kingdom of God is like. See, many of us, we're in the world, we know Jesus, but we still think according to the world. Our thinking hasn't changed. Yes, we're going to heaven, but we still see things as we've always seen them. But God wants to shift our thinking, and that's why He talks so much. Jesus talks so much about the kingdom, more than any other subject He spoke on. He spoke about the kingdom and what it is to live in this kingdom. See, we can live in it right here, right now. The kingdom's here. And, and it's now. It's not once we get to heaven. It's here. And it's now. And if we can embrace the kingdom, we can see God's purpose outworked in our life. Many of you heard me speak about how when traveling, you know, I'm amazed in Europe how many languages people speak. You know, up to four languages. I, I speak one and I don't do that that well. But people speak four different languages, and 
I'm amazed how people can translate and they go, can go from one conversation in English to another conversation in Italian and then another conversation in Swiss German. Now I get amazed at some of our, our leaders, people pastoring the churches, because they can, they can speak and preach in different languages. Some of you are going, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, when you travel overseas, many of us just learn enough words to get by. Like, where's the food? Uh, where's the bathroom? You know, how, how do you say thank you? And so, and so we learn enough words to get by, but we can't really say we speak the language. We're not fluent in the language. You know, some people, they, they can speak the language, but what they're doing is they're always translating from their mother tongue. So, so they're speaking in another language, but they're still thinking in their mother tongue. See, right now, I reckon there's a lot of believers in church who still speak in the language of the world and yet haven't, haven't yet come to a place where they think in the language of the kingdom. See, if we want to see God's kingdom come, come on, how many want to see His kingdom come? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just good enough to have some Christianese. To have enough, so many people in church just have enough words to get by. You know, just to get by on a Sunday, I'll learn a few words. Or they speak the language of the kingdom, but they're not yet thinking in the language of the kingdom. They're, they're translating. I wonder what would happen if we learned to speak and think in the language of the kingdom. See, Jesus says the kingdom is like a seed. It's like a seed. In fact, he gives many parables about this. And one is the parable of the growing seed found in Mark chapter 4. He says, Jesus said to them, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground day and night. While he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. In other words, who would have thought? How the heck did that happen? Who would have thought something so small could turn into something so big? Who would have thought years ago when we took up our first miracle offering that we now have 16 locations? Who would have thought Something so small, a little act over here would have such big ramifications over here. Uh, who would have thought something good could have come from that? Who would have thought that God could use me, God could use you in that way? Who would have thought it would have had that level of impact? What a transformation. What a turnaround. See, I really believe God wants us to live in a way that we live a life that we don't have an explanation for. We've got no explanation for. It's like, I don't know. How did that happen? I don't know. We planted the seed and a miracle took place. Come on, this is Miracle Sunday. Come on, I don't know how many hearts are expecting a miracle today. I don't know what you came in expecting, but I want us to 
together believe that as we plant seeds, miracles can be released. Come on, a seed is a miracle capsule that speaks of our future. And that's the territory that God lives in. You know, Isaac understood this in the Bible. Even in a time where others weren't prospering, it says of Isaac in, in Genesis chapter 26, it says Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. How, how many know that's a supernatural harvest? Nobody sows in the land and within the same year reap a hundredfold. Come on, how many can believe for a hundredfold harvest? Come on, God did it for Isaac. He sowed in the land, and it says that same year he reaped a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Uh, uh, again, Apollos, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God. Who, who blessed Isaac? Come on, God blessed Isaac, and he began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I love that. He didn't just prosper in a moment. He didn't just have a good moment. He continued to prosper until he became prosperous. See, I believe God's plan and purpose for your life is not just to have a good moment, not just to have a good season, but to prosper, to continue to prosper till you become prosperous. Come on, God wants to bless His people. Oh, Sam, that's a prosperity doctrine. No, it's just the Bible. It's the Bible. The Bible says God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His people. See, if God didn't want you to prosper, why would He take pleasure in it? God gives us the power to get wealth. Yeah, think about this. If God didn't want you to have any wealth, why would he give you the power to have it? Now, but what we're going to say, this is not by our doing. This is not by our efforts. This is God. I challenge to say everything good going on in your life right now is not you. You can't take credit for that. You, you think you did that? Yeah, you think, oh, I'm a self-made man. You're born into an illusion. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above. And it's acknowledging that it's God's. God brought the increase. God blessed my business. God blessed my family. God blessed me on the sports field. God blessed me. God did it. God, it wasn't me. Yeah, I worked, but God poured His favor on my life. Come on, is there anybody blessed of God? Come on, I want you to express it right now. Come on. I really believe we need to be more expressive in our praise. You know, unexpressed love is not love. Unexpressed, there's something, oh, well, God, you're not already. Well, you try that with your marriage. Unexpressed love is not love. See, see, when you love, you want to express that love to the people around you. Yeah, but how many know? Serving God can be frustrating. Any, anybody found God frustrating from time to time? Yeah, because He doesn't work on our timetable, our schedule, and, and the way that we want Him to work. 
Sometimes following Jesus can be disappointing. You know, how many have had the experience not match the expectation? How many have had that before? You expected one thing, but your experience contradicted your expectation. Come on, it sounded good on the menu. When you read it out, it sounded amazing. And then you had it, it was like, what? That was nothing like it was on the menu. On the menu, it was good. Now, how many know some previews, some trailers, movie trailers are amazing. Come on, have you ever been to a movie and been let down before? And you thought it was going to be amazing, but all the good parts were in the trailer. There was no other. Now, ever gone on holiday, had an expectation, oh, it's going to be amazing, amazing, amazing. And, and all of you experienced is rain. And your experience didn't match your expectation. It happens in marriages. People are, marriage is going to solve my life. You have this expectation, and your experience doesn't match your expectation. For me, that was the case. But in my case, my experience exceeded my expectation. Where were you going on there? I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, Jesus, you think Jesus is the master at disappointing people's expectations. Yeah, from the time he was born. They thought he was going to be born in a palace. No, barn. Born of a natural union. That's how it's going to happen. That's how the Messiah's going to come. No, virgin birth from a teenage girl from a hick town. Yeah, disappointing. Jesus, the boy, arguing with Jesus. Mary and Joseph, disappointed at him. Where were you? Luke chapter 4. He reads Isaiah 60. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. People are disappointed. So disappointed that they thought of stoning him. You know, Peter, he was disappointed in Jesus. There was one time Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And Jesus healed her. He was disappointed. In fact, some people reckon that's the reason why Peter tonight. No. Peter, he was disappointed because he thought, he thought he was going to be a general in the army of the living God. Not a disciple in the army of a dead one. Why doesn't God sometimes meet our expectations? I, I believe sometimes God doesn't meet our expectations simply because He wants to exceed them. See, He couldn't meet your expectations if He was going to exceed them. It, it can be disappointing but here's the deal. He will never disappoint you. Uh, maybe the scene of your greatest disappointment is the setting for your greatest miracle. Come on. Uh, God wants to do a miracle. God can turn something. It can bring water, wine out of water. He can turn around any situation in your life.
why do you sow? You sow because you trust God. Why do you sow? You sow for the next season in your life. How many remember the transition from primary school to high school? You know, year six, you didn't jump. I know there was intermediate in the middle. But year six, you were king of the school. Standard floor, old school. Yeah, you were the king of the school. And standard floor, I was the PE monitor. I had responsibility. I was in charge of all the PE gear. If anybody wanted anything, they had to come through me. I was the boss in my primary school. You know, but the transition, I, I reckon intermediate just it helps prepare you. But you go from being the boss to, to third form or to year nine or to being a turd. <laughs> How many remember that? Yeah. It's like suddenly you're in this bigger environment. You feel smaller, uh, but your world has grown bigger. I felt more comfortable in standard four. Could I just stay in standard four? Could, be, could I be a fifth year standard four? <laughs> Start shaving. <laughs> standard four. See, that, that's what a lot of people do in the spirit. They, they don't grow. They say, oh, because this is comfortable. What happens when your world grows bigger, but you feel smaller? How many know in year nine, you're actually bigger? You've grown from standard four to year nine. Or year six. I'm I'm using different measurements here. You all can keep up. But you've actually grown physically. You're, You're in a bigger space. And you're in that space because God wants to do something bigger and greater through your life. Many of us stick with the comfortable. I'm challenging people. If we want to grow into all that God has for us, we've got to learn this principle of sowing. You sow now, sowing. The psalmist talked about in Psalm 126. You sow in tears. My daughter's just changed school midterm and going into a new environment has freaked her out. But we're saying to her, it'll come right. You can do this every Monday morning. Don't worry. Just believe. Come on, let's pray together. Let's trust God. It's uncomfortable. There's been a lot of sowing and tears. But I know when you sow in tears, as the psalmist says, there will come a reaping in joy. Come on, how many want to reap in joy? Come on, how many want to reap in joy? And we're going to sow for the next season. See, our challenge in life is to live a life, I believe. This is what God's called us to, is to live a life that will outlast us. Let's, let's not have the spirit of Hezekiah. We talked about this last week. We said, well, at least there'll be peace in my time. His sons were about to be taken off into captivity, made eunuchs, serve a Babylonian king. And he says, hey, this is good news. This is good news. Because at least 
there's going to be peace in my time. At least it's all right for me. See, a kingdom mentality is always thinking about the next generation. I just quickly want to give you three things as to how we can prepare for the next season. Three thoughts. Number one, not rocket science, you reap what you sow. I'm sure you've heard this phrase before. It's a common saying because it's self-evident truth. You reap what you sow. In Galatians, Paul said, God's not mocked for whatever a man sows, he will reap. But here's the deal. If you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. If you sow wheat, you're going to reap wheat. Oh, you're on to it. Paul said this to the Corinthians. He says, hey, if you sow money, you're going to reap He says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you you, you sow bountifully, you're going to reap. That's what he said, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It was in the context of what we're doing today. How you sow, what you sow is what you're going to reap. Can you imagine a farmer standing in a field in which he has sown wheat seeds and being frustrated because corn is not appearing? He's sowing wheat seeds, and where's my corn? Corn, I ask God for corn, but he's sowing wheat seeds. That that would be foolish, right? But, But that's precisely what many of us do. We expect a harvest of something that we've never planted. And we're thinking, oh, just pray. No, God works when you plant and water. He brings the increase, but he's got to work with something. Because we're in a partnership deal in this. Uh, Listen to what uh, God did in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1.11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. According to its kind whose seed is in itself. In other words, God just planted once in the world and everything in it had had the ability to reproduce. It had seed within itself. And and it says on the earth, and and it was so, and the earth brought forth grass and the herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And corn is corn seed. And God saw that it was good. We've got to understand how God created the world. Now, there was an apple seed in the corn. And what you sow is what you reap. So many people want friendship, but they don't sow friendship. They're miserable. They don't talk to anyone. You know, where's the friend? No, you sow friendship, you'll reap friendship. You'll you'll reproduce after your kind. You know, so many people are negative, but they want encouragement. Now, if you sow encouragement, you're going to reap encouragement. You reap what you sow. His next thought is, you reap after you sow. 
really simple, second principle. But once again, you know, and it seems mind-numbingly so simple. It's like, but you can't help believe, you, you wouldn't understand how many people come and say, someday when I have money, uh, I'm going to be a giver. It will never happen. Because you can't reap before you sow. Come on, come on, imagine the foolish farmer again, I mentioned earlier, standing in the field waiting for a crop to come in when he's never planted a seed. I prayed over that field. Yeah, and I'm expecting a harvest. So, so many Christians, they expect God to do something that they've never actually sown the seed for. Come on, in the natural, we know that to be foolish. It's like, once this crop comes up, I'm going to do some serious sowing. I'll be a big-time sower if I get this crop in. That's crazy. But I, I've heard so many believers say, well, if God helps me close this business deal, I'm going to really start giving big to the church. Oh, it's gone real quiet. <laughs> See, there, there should be a win in our giving. Oh, when, when I win lotto, when this happens. No, no, you reap after you've sown. And God says how the kingdom works, Luke chapter 16, if you're faithful in a little, if you're faithful with the little you have, God can entrust to you much. That's how the kingdom works. Number three, last one is, you reap more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. So, so you sow what you reap. You reap after you've sowed. And, and you reap more than you sow. Uh, think about it. I've got an apple on stage. Oh, man, they gave me a big knife. That's scary. A big knife here. But, like, within... Oh, that is a real big knife, eh? Hang on a sec. I just need to do something. Within an apple, if it's not genetically modified, <laughs> there is a, a seed. Oh, I just dropped the seed. There it is. I scattered it. There's a seed. Now, I can count the seeds in this apple. There's only one. There's only one seed. Stupid apple. I never knew what I was going to get until I opened it. But, but you can't count the apples in a seed. There's, there's one seed in this apple. But this is a miracle capsule that's going to supersede its father. That's going to produce so much more than what is sown. You know, many of us don't understand this, that that seed has the potential to multiply. 
Yeah, we're, we're part of this movement now. Yeah, get this. Well, we sowed a seed. We planted one church. But now that church is sowing seed. It's sowing seed. London, Philippines. See, in the Philippines, in the DNA of the church, we, we say we're a giving church. I know you're a third world nation, but it's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. And if we're to touch the Philippines, it's not just going to be dependent on the church here in New Zealand. Because the kingdom is a growing, expanding kingdom. And it lives within you. And if you can recognize that there's seed within you, that means what you are a benefit, what you benefited from, you now can be a blessing to somebody else. See, this is how we change the world. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that? But by my obedience over here, that I triggered and released this impact over here. I, I would have had that impact, you know, wrong since we started the church hasn't officially launched, but we've seen over 100 people say. Come on, 100 people say since September in Italy. That's far bigger than I thought. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that we'd have an environment that pastors came to just a month ago and they're saying, hey, we want to get in on this. We want to carry that same spirit. We want to see it multiplied. Now, these are pastors of churches who have been stuck leading people of 30 and 50. One guy has just caught on and said, man, I, I want to carry the spirit in this culture. And he's just doing what Francesco is telling him to do. And do you know, already his church has tripled. I didn't have anything to do with it. You didn't. You weren't there. But the seed we planted... Francesco watered, and God brought the increase. God made it grow. God did something. God did something. God blessed it. God blessed it. God blessed it. Come on, God can bless your life. If you just take that seed. See, a seed in a packet won't grow. What many people don't understand, just to finish with, is they don't understand the difference between bread and seed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that God gives seed to the sower. Who does He give seed to? The ones who sow. The problem is many people eat their seed. They eat their seed. Now, God's given us bread is for eating, seed is for sowing. Bread is for eating, seed is for sowing. God will give us our daily bread, but the seed in our life is all for our future. 
And the question today is, will you trust God with your seed? Will you trust Him with your future? Or will you want to control it? See, many people go, oh God, would you just come and bless my plan? I've got a plan. This is what I'm going to do. I've got a plan. God, come and bless my plan. I challenge to change that a little bit. Instead of asking God to come and bless your plan, why don't you get your plan from God and then you'll know it's already blessed. See, if we just take what God's given us, that seed in our life, and we sow it, I really believe we, like Isaac, will have a testimony of a hundredfold harvest of God's blessing. Come on, we've seen that as a church. More than a hundredfold. Nations of the world being impacted. Lives being touched. You know, through revolution to a countless lives touched and impacted for the kingdom of God. Come on, what can we do? What can we do today? I really believe as we sow a seed, another may water it. I really believe God's going to bring an increase in Jesus' name.